I met Heath in the summer of 2022. There we were in South Dakota. And I'm like, this guy's kind of a cowboy. I didn't think they dressed like that in Virginia. And then I, I popped off to him and he popped off right back. And I thought, you know what? We're either going to be in the parking lot mixing up or we're going to get along. So far, it looks like we're getting along. I think you're going to like to hear from Heath. Welcome to Extreme Acts Cutting the Curve podcast, where we cut your learning curve with insights you can apply immediately to your farming operation. This episode is presented by Loveland Products. When it comes to crop inputs, you need products that are field proven to deliver both results and value. For more than 50 years, Loveland Products has been providing farmers with high-performance, value-driven product solutions designed to maximize productivity on every acre. Visit lovelandproducts.com to see how their innovative products can help you farm more profitably. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, thanks for joining us for another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. Today we're talking to the National Corn Grower Association Yield Contest winner and new Extreme Ag affiliate, Heath Cutrell out of Virginia. Heath Cutrell, thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Would you say it's an accurate assessment that uh, I made a little wise apple and the next thing you know, it, we were going to town there at a bar in uh, South Dakota? <laughs> yeah, it, it got a little dicey for a second. Heath, you got uh, you got on with uh, Extreme Ag kind of because of Temple. So uh, Temple Road's one of our affiliates in the Eastern Shore, Maryland. You're not all that far apart. You're in Virginia. So tell us about the background, how uh, how you and Temple became buddies. Oh, uh, well, last year I went to uh, Commodity Classic and uh, also met Chad and Matt and uh, um, was becoming, uh, well, they came up to me and started asking me a few questions and uh, it wasn't but just a few minutes we could tell we was like long lost brothers. And Temple, you know, him being the wise ass he is, I mean, that 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 went right in well with me. <laughs> I could see where that would be. I can see that would be a commonality. All right. So answer me this. Tell me about your operation. Virginia, most people don't think of corn yield competitors coming out of Virginia. When you think of corn, obviously think of my home state of Indiana. You think of Iowa, obviously. You think of Illinois, Nebraska, the corn huskers. Even Minnesota's a big producer of corn up there in the prairie part of Minnesota. You don't always think of Virginia. You want to tell me that I'm wrong in that assessment, but that's I'm talking about perception. I'm not talking about reality. The perception is they don't grow corn in Virginia. They've got the the Blue Ridge Mountains. They got, uh, you know, that Washington, D.C. part of Virginia. They ain't no agriculture out there, but I'm wrong, aren't I? You are wrong. Actually, uh, if you follow the National Corn Yield Contest, uh, a lot of uh, winter, your winners are coming off the East Coast. Um, and I think a lot of these guys are doing well out here. You know, actually... We were talking, I was actually talking to a couple guys today and we were talking about the Midwestern farmers probably were like, what the hell are these guys doing growing all this corn, you know, out here near the Atlantic Ocean? <laughs> so how far are you from the Atlantic Ocean? Um, if you was to get in a plane fly straight across, probably 10 miles. 10, by the way, miles, pretty quick. And, and by the way, I actually have been a, a speaker at the Virginia Farm Bureau Conference. So I actually was joking when I said nobody does agriculture in Virginia. I'm a little bit more familiar than some probably people that don't think there's ag out there. Tell me about your operation. So I farm about uh, 5,000 acres. Uh, I farm in uh, northeastern North Carolina and southeastern Virginia. Uh, we uh, rotate crops from corn, wheat, and soybeans, and then double crop soybeans behind that. Um, been pretty successful in the past few years. Uh, been 
in the National Corn Growers Association, uh, the yield contest since 2015 and uh, been enjoying doing that and learning a lot of things from a lot of good people. Southeastern Virginia, not too far from the Atlantic Ocean. And you said you're a corn and soybean producer. Is there tobacco in your part of the world? No, that's that's a little further west from us, about an hour west, hour, well, two hours west from us. First thing I think of is I know that, you know, in, in the other places I mentioned that uh, there's a lot of corn that goes to ethanol, a lot of corn goes to livestock. Is there a livestock by you? Not a lot of livestock. No, uh, a lot of our corn, we're right here near Norfolk, Virginia. A lot of our corn goes on ships and is exported along with the soybeans. Okay, so you're you're going to the North, Port of Norfolk and you're getting exported. Does that give you a price premium because you're not too far from a port where it can go overseas? Uh, it does on the some soybeans, uh, corn as well. Yeah, uh, I think the guys that are selling to the mills though are actually getting uh, probably a little better premium than us. Five thousand acres, and I'm trying to envision this. Are we talking about? Is this flat ground? Is there curvy ground? You know, I I went to everybody thinks Iowa's flat until you go to Kelly Garrett's, and there's like I told him, I said if there's places you put a ski, you put a a, a, a lift chair on some of this stuff. Is your, what's your ground like over there? Our I tell everybody our ground is as flat as a sheet of paper. Uh, there is no. There is no curve to it whatsoever. It is flat, as you can see. I mean, it is super flat. If it's that flat, do you have a drainage issue? Does your stuff lay a little bit moist? Is it boggy? Are you catching Atlantic storms and all of a sudden it makes you wet? You know, our friend Kevin Matthews is always talking about beating these hurricanes coming off of the Atlantic. Or are you far enough north it doesn't impact you? Same here. Uh, we, we're always battling with hurricanes. And, um, you know, we are... We do have some tidal ground around here. Uh, none of my farms have much tidal ground, but uh, our water table is pretty high here as well. Okay. So we wait, wait, wait. Your, your, your internet connection is just a little bit spotty. Did you say tight ground or tiled ground? Tidal, tidal ground, where the water will come in here, you know, from the rivers and streams. Tidal as in tidal wave, tidal ground. Tidal. Yeah. That's something I've not heard in all my discussions. So farming ground that is tidal means that it your water table's up, and then when you get uh, Atlantic storms, it, it causes you havoc. Is that what I'm kind of gathering? Well, no, tidal meaning when the, uh, the tide comes on some of these uh, uh, rivers or uh, the sound. We're, we're close to the sounds. Uh, when, it, when it rises, it, it can you know, bring water into the fields. <clears throat> Tell me about how you got to, what was the number on your, on your corn yield competition, national winner, 400 and what? No, it wasn't 400. It was three, 394. That's what we were shooting for, but we didn't get there. Okay, well, 394 is uh, uh, pretty damn close to 400. What do you do to get 394 bushel corn? Do you just do you get lucky and have all the practice in place, or is it no, there's no luck involved, or is it a little bit of everything? Talk to me. Well, I believe there's a lot of luck involved. Uh, and, uh, you know, taking from what I've learned in the past several years of doing this uh, with uh, – any anything that I could do, I throw in the kitchen sink at it every year and uh, seem to have found three or four more bushels this year. So, you know, um, there's a lot to it, but uh, 
without giving out too many secrets. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they always do it by, they say dry land versus irrigated, 394 bushels. That's dry land. That's dry land. Yep. And it's all conventional tillage. Yes. Conventional tillage. You do not do no-till. We do not no-till. So does that mean you're out there, you're out there still with a moldboard plow and a disc and the stuff like we did in the 1970s? Or what's what's tillage look like to you? Because uh I, I didn't think there was that much tillage. Are you you're not tilling the way your grandpa did, I'll assume. Well, uh, pretty close. We uh we pull rippers to begin with. We'll do that as soon as the ground dries now, dries out enough for us to go. Uh we'll rip, we'll rip the ground and uh take that hard that um that hard base away uh compaction and then we'll come in there with some true tandems uh plow the land up then a field cultivator uh we'll come behind that with a field cultivator and a, a roller just to firm the top of the ground and then we'll plant it so we'll we'll, we'll make six or eight passes you're making a lot of passes <laughs> you're, you're you're spending a lot of money on diesel fuel so uh versus a, a no-till or reduced till you got a big diesel bill we got a big fuel bill, but it's been working for everybody in our area, and it's the way we farm in this area. Uh, there's not a whole lot of no-tillers. Um, everybody in this area has always, you know, uh, raised crops that way. This is the way it's done here. Lee Lubers and I had an episode about a year ago where he talked about his move to almost completely no till uh and sometimes just a little bit of tillage and he said it's a matter of moisture preservation because he's in an area that gets like 16 inches of moisture uh you know even converted snow per year and he also said it's about manpower i live in the middle of nowhere i can't get the the people to come out here and do it you don't have a moisture issue right well we do that's another reason we till our land also uh normally during harvest we'll cut the ground up with these combines so uh no your moisture tillage. issue your moisture issue is the the opposite of lees you got too damn much water too much we can't get rid of the water that's right and so even if you put in drainage tile when you've got a, a water table that's like at eight feet it's going to be a struggle to even get rid of it through drainage that's right so we don't do tile here we actually have ditches and uh and these ditches separate what we call cuts of land uh, and we farm in between the ditches uh, versus having one big farm. The farm is cut up with ditches, which allows the water to get away from us and, you know, follow us out of the field. And then we'll have little drains in between the ditches that we run as well. When we talk to Temple, he talks a lot about being in the Chesapeake Bay watershed, and he's got environmental scrutiny going back 20 and 30 years ago that's just now coming to mainstream uh, American agriculture. You're right there next to the ocean. You're in Virginia. Do you have environmental pressures on you? Because you've got all this water going out to sea. Surely to God, you can't be uh, out there just going too cowboyish with your pesticides and herbicide treatments, right? No, we're doing the same thing. Uh, we're in the Chesapeake Bay watershed as well. So Yeah. So uh, on the standpoint of all that tillage, that's also a lot of time. And so when Lee tells me he he has to manage around the lack of manpower, do you have a whole bunch of hired hands to be driving these tractors this many hours? Yeah. Uh, normally I got two or three part-time guys that help me, and then I have three full-time guys that work for me. So there's always, you know, six to seven of us working sometimes up to nine depending on what we're doing and when got it uh no livestock just crops just crops 
Got it. All right. So you didn't give away all your secrets. Give me a couple of things about how you go about planting corn, whether it's the 394 bushel uh, corn or just what you shoot for on your farm average, which, by the way, what was your farm average away from the contest fields? What was your farm average in 2022? Well, to be completely honest, I can't answer that yet because we still have corn in the tanks uh, and we didn't weigh it going in the tanks. So I can't give you uh, an honest answer, but I'm going to say it's close to 240 to 250. Okay, that's really good corn, which means then you can justify some extra diesel being used. Kelly Garrett told me he's, he takes him five and a half gallons of diesel per acre farmed. Uh, I'm guessing you're more than that. Do you know how many, how many gallons of diesel per acre farm you use? I don't. I'd, I'd upset myself if I knew it. <laughs> All right. Talk to me about the other crop, soybeans. Oh, and, and no wheat. Yeah, we plant wheat as well, yes. Uh, we plant about uh, anywhere from six to a thousand acres of wheat every year uh and then we'll double crop soybeans behind it okay so 600 to a thousand acres of wheat and then you double crops so your wheat in that part of the world is getting harvested is it getting harvested june 10th june 15th that's right middle of june yes okay so uh what what uh when, like we talk about this wheat beans as my buddies uh you know like chad and matt like to call them double crop beans uh, is why not do that on every acre is a matter of uh time it's a lot of time. Uh, we actually also bale uh, these huge bales behind our wheat, you know, try to get your beans planted. And that's the the main thing is getting the beans planted on time. That's very crucial. And, you know, getting the weed out is a whole nother job. So that's one reason we don't plant it on every acre. Got it. You sell straw. You said it goes to Pennsylvania for, uh, I, I was thinking dairies, and you said no for mushrooms. So that's actually a revenue source for you. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Also uh, cleans up the wheat straw off the ground, allows that planter to get right in there and plant instead of uh, hairpinning. You know, that's a big issue with uh, a lot of times when you're uh, planting wheat beans. Yeah. And so all the all the tillage you do for your conventional crops, you don't till anything on your soybeans that go in. It just goes the soybeans go straight into wheat stubble. Yes, sir. What do you think you you can teach the listeners and the followers of Extreme Ag? There ain't a whole lot of secrets, honestly. Uh, just things that I've learned how to what does and doesn't work, and how much money you're willing to spend to win a contest. <laughs> give me an example of a 2022 something that worked, and give me an example of a 2022 something that did not work. We um, this year uh, was the first year that I put chicken litter out. Uh, that seemed to have given some corn a little bump uh and uh i can't be i can't be honest with you with what didn't work because we tried so much at one time we don't uh single anything out so but i will say the chicken litter was a, was a big help chicken litter uh got way in demand when fertilizer prices spiked a couple of years ago did you have a hard time getting your hands on chicken litter this time uh didn't really have a hard time getting it, but it's so far for us to go get. You're going up to Delmarva to get this out of the chicken yeah. facilities up there? Yeah, we were uh, actually going to the eastern shore and picking it up. Yeah. Got it. Uh, everybody has a strength. Everybody has a weakness. Production versus business. You're probably more on the production than the business side of farming is what I'm guessing because you like to see bushels. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I right. go along with that. 
how do you compensate for your weakness if you are willing to admit that you're stronger at production and weaker at the business side of it? What do you do to compensate? Who, do you have an office manager? you have somebody that really dials in on the money and the uh, marketing? Who does that? Believe it or not, I do all of that. Uh, and sometimes it's uh, a life lesson for me. Uh, I do the best I can. And so far, it's, it's worked for me. So uh, sometimes it's a lot of late nights upstairs working on the books. But, you know, it is what it is. I uh, I, ain't got, I I don't have a whole lot of help as far as All right. So get, give yourself a – we're going to give ourselves grades. You're going to give yourself an A on production of corn. What about beans? Are you an A in beans? So, no, I'm not an A on beans. I'd say I'm a, I'm a strong B. <laughs> All right, so we'll give you an. We'll even give you an A plus on corn if you're hitting two. If you're hitting three hundred ninety four bushels, we'll give you an A plus on corn. We're going to give you a B plus on soybeans. Maybe just a B. We'll go with a B. Strong All right. B. All right. So, what do you think you can gather from your friends at Extreme Ag that can take you from at least a, a B to a B plus, or better yet, take your soybean production from being a B grade to an A minus? Because, and we're talking about personal here. And by the way, most people don't do this. Most people will sit around there and won't admit their weaknesses. I appreciate you doing that. You're a B on soybeans. What are you going to do to get to an A minus? You think Extreme Ag can help you? So, that being said, uh, this year I talked with Temple and. Uh, the guys from Extreme Ag and uh, told them, you know, that I, I could my bean yield, you know, we raised about 3,500 acres of beans and, you know, it's hard for me to get anything over a 60 bush, bushel average. Um, so Temple stepped in and uh, kind of gave me a little program and I went with that program and uh, believe it or not, I followed it step by step and it was the best wheat beans that I've ever picked. Uh, my wheat beans probably average. Well, they did. They averaged over seventy bushels. So and that's double. And that's has, double cropping. Uh, Heath, I'm not here to like yes. tell you farm economics, but if you can get beans following wheat, you made money off of selling straw. You made money off the wheat, and then you did seventy bushel beans. I think that maybe we might have just found that your whole experience with extreme ag is already making you a lot of money. It is. They, I'm telling you, these guys are. Uh, these guys in extreme ag are awesome people. I mean, they're such a good fellowship uh, with these guys and so not, they're very knowledgeable. I mean, they make me feel stupid every time to get in a conversation. I kind of want to walk away from it. Let's go ahead and give ourselves a letter grade on a couple other things. Marketing of the commodity. It's I, I, I don't do it. I don't, I don't, I don't do it because I don't farm. I, I rent my farm ground out. And if I did my own farming, I'd have somebody else do the marketing because I think watching one and a half cent moves in the soybean complex would make me lose my mind. I, 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 I just would, I just glaze over at it. What, what about marketing? Give me your letter grade on your marketing. I, I'll actually give myself a, uh, I feel like I give myself an A minus on that. Um, I have just been very fortunate to hit most of the highs of, uh, seems like year to year the guy that I sell the elevator uh says he can't believe that I sell the crops the way I do and uh anyways I, I just it's all a big guess and gamble anyways whether you you're marketing or someone else I mean nobody knows what that market's going to do from day to day you said uh, you said a penny and a half but it's been swinging 50 cents sometimes I mean, <laughs> right right well, you feel pretty smart when you catch that 50 cents up. You feel pretty stupid when you're 50 cents down. Hey, <laughs> yeah. without divulging all your secrets, Heath Cutrell, um, 
One of our business partners is a company called Agerson. Uh, they have a product called Accomplish Max. You said, hey, I use that in my corn. Tell me what you get uh, out of using Accomplish Max. Yeah, we use Accomplish Max, and we've been doing it uh, year after year. Um, from what I can tell, you know, it's a big benefit, uh, benefit for us. Uh, uh, we tried it in a, a farm three years ago without it and with it, and you could just see a big difference in the corn. From the stress standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, Kelly Garrett makes a big point that stress mitigation was going to be a major theme for him in 2022 because he says, I think that we're going to learn that we probably have adequate amounts of bulk fertilizer out there. I think that we we're going to learn that we have over fertilized. And I'm, ta I'm not talking about the inferral stuff like our friends at uh, AgriLiquid or Nature's. I'm talking about, you know, throwing out tons and tons and tons of, you know, fertilizer. But he says, I think that we've got stressed plants that can't uptake the fertility anyhow. Would you agree with that? Uh, absolutely, 100%. You're in an area that gets some stress. You've got the moisture and you've got the heat. What do you do? What do you think you're doing right to keep that crop happy to avoid stress? Uh, well, you know, we're doing tissue samples weekly here. Uh, and I've always told people, you know, you never want that corn plant to ever have a bad day. So uh, we're trying to stay ahead of everything by using, uh, you know, um, samples and everything every, you know, once a week, like I said. Do you use more fungicide and more passes with fungicide because of the climate you have versus maybe somebody that's in uh, Western, uh, say, central Nebraska? We do. We, we, uh, most of the time we make three passes with a fungicide. It, uh, keeps the plant healthy. Um, you know, you can ride here and there and see, uh, other places that don't use that many passes and you can see a big difference in the corn, uh, most of the time. All right, we're going to give yourself letter grades because you know why I'm asking you this? Because I'm going to find out a year from now after your time with Extreme Ag what you improved on your letter grade. And also the stuff you're giving yourself an A on, I want to be able to ask you to help our listeners how they can get to an A. Soils. Uh, agri you know, agriculture starts and ends with soil. Where are you in terms of uh, put your agronomy hat on? All right, what's your letter grade as a farmer agronomist? Uh, I'd give myself maybe a... A B, C, C plus maybe. Um, a C plus. Hey, wait, man, we got we got to work with you. The only reason I'm giving myself that is because I hire that out, and I have a good guy that helps me with that. Um, and I will, you know, step by step with this guy. Uh, he's he's amazing, uh, and I don't want to take anything from him. Uh, anybody deserves the A to be him. Yeah, you know what? Several of our guys, once you're of a certain scale, it's very justifiable to have either an on-staff or a consultant agronomist. When did you make that decision? Uh, I've had this particular gentleman for probably five years now. And and and, and, and it's worked out. Yep, he's a, he's a phenomenal guy, and he's very, very uh, good at what he does. Worth the investment. Every penny. What about technology? First off, you can give yourself a letter grade about adoption of technology. Right now, I'm thinking, man, the internet out where he is is not that great based on our connection. What about other technology? How are you about uh, applying technology to get bigger benefit and bigger yield and therefore bigger money? So we do that with our equipment. Um, uh, we got some of the latest Case International tractors, the, uh, they call them AFS Connects. Uh, along with that, I bought a uh, 
a new corn planter last year and it has every bell and whistle on it. Um, and it, you know, the emergence for that seed is put perfectly. Uh, we're putting a two by two by two starter in there with it, along with a uh, in-furrow. Um, so as far as technology goes, I'm gonna go with the standpoint of our equipment, uh, you know, running RTK. It's just, it, everything seems to kind of line right in. Yeah. By the way, uh, you didn't give yourself a letter grade, so we'll give you an A on your uh, adoption and utilization of technology. When you talked about farming 5,000 acres, and then obviously you got a lot of tillage going on, how many planters do you take over that? You got one for corn, one for soybeans? Got uh, one for corn, one uh, 40-foot corn planter, and then we have two uh, two big bean planters that we run, two 35-foot bean planters. And then the people that want to know, how do you plant your wheat? We uh, actually drill it, believe it or not, 20 foot at a time. Uh, so a thousand acres of wheat, 20 foot at a time. That's, that's, huh? We, we, we kind of go back old school where we cut our teeth from. A thousand acres, 20 feet at a time. So apparently you don't have any problem getting uh, hired hands out there is all I'm thinking. Or either that or Austin, lots of long, lonely nights out there by myself. <laughs> Speaking of employees... You, you know, you've got them. You just said you got a few guys that are on seasonal, and then you got a few guys that are year round. Give yourself a letter grade on being a manager of humans because that is something that I marvel at when I look at some of these operations. Like, that's a lot to keep going on, and you become a manager of employees. How are you as a manager? I feel like I'm a pretty good, uh, I feel like I'm a pretty good guy. Um, I try to treat them as I would want to be treated. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the year, they, they deserve a bonus. And I do that every year and uh, try not to take those guys for granted. They, uh, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at with my success without these guys uh, believing in me. Well, with the situation in the workforce here for the last couple of years, you've had to give them pretty hefty pay raises, I would think, to stay competitive or they'll go down the road. That's absolutely right. Um, you know, and, and like you said, uh, it's hard to find any good guys anymore right now. Uh, you know, I've offered several different guys pretty big money and uh, nobody wants to work. So it's, you know, we put our hats on in the morning time, pull it down and, you know, we farm to the end of the day and then some. So, I mean, we, you know, we just keep on going with what we got, I guess. You paying those guys 20% more than you did just a year and a half, two years ago? Pretty much. Yeah. I'd say I, not quite 20, but yeah. It was a, it was definitely an increase. Cuts into the bottom line, you know. Uh, when you look at 2023, what excites you uh, with your operation, but also with Extreme Ag? Definitely Extreme Ag. Um, I'm looking forward to, you know, even more help. Uh, yeah, I won for the nation this year, but these guys are also knowledgeable guys. And, you know, they might have a secret that they could point me into where I could get to that 400 bushel mark. Um well, I hope they're more willing to share their secrets than you are. You said, hey, wait a minute. Some of that's proprietary information. I'm not going to put that out there. Well, you know, I'm not going to ask them for too, many, too much, but if they're willing to give me something, I'll take it. Yeah, and you're going to be willing to give some of your stuff too. All right, we're going to wrap this up here. I wanted to introduce you to Extreme Ag's uh, followers, but more importantly, uh, get to know some of the stuff that you're going to share with us. I look forward to hearing some more from you. Um and specifically like uh, about some of the practices, you know, you're, you're farming in a pretty different um, arrangement than, than a lot of places. You talked about title. I've never heard that before. Title conditions. Uh, 
what do you want to what do you want to what do you want to tell the listeners that you think uh they should stay tuned why should they stay tuned to hear more out of heath cutrell uh well i'd like to see uh or be able to help some people uh you know advance yields and corn uh uh, I'm a kind of the kind of guy that likes to pat people on the back and uh, and watch them succeed. I mean, if, if I can help somebody succeed, I mean, that makes me a winner every day. <clears throat> Do you have uh, your neighbors that uh, resent you for being the 394 bushel corn guy? I'm pretty sure I did. I'm pretty sure there's a couple around here that did. <laughs> All right. Anything we didn't cover that we should have in this uh, in this introductory episode of Meet Heath Cutre? Hey. You said, you know, you said you're out there, you got your employees and all that. You do all the stuff. What else? Do we, what do we not ask about you? What do we what? What do we not ask about you? First off, you wear cowboy boots and I called you a cowboy. Do you even have cattle? I used to have cattle, but I got rid of them. Uh, the farming became so much that, I, you know, I didn't have time to mess with cattle anymore. Makes sense. Uh, what else, what else about you do we, do we need to, do we need to know? Uh, you're the Virginia guy. You're our Virginia affiliate. You learned how to, you grabbed about another 20 bushel of soybeans. Thanks to temple. I think you better send him a little gift card, uh, to, to Walmart or something. What, what else, oh, yeah. what, what else do I need card. to know about? What else do I need to know? <laughs> I think you about got it all summed up. Um, I, I'd say you got it all wrapped up. And if these people want to see you uh, in in uh, in pl- in person, you're going to be at some of our future events. We're going to be seeing you. Yep, I'll be at the uh, Virginia Soybean Association, um, and then we'll follow it up with uh, the Machinery Show in Kentucky. And then after that, I'll be at uh, the Commodity Classic in Orlando. Fantastic. So he's Heath Cutrell. He is uh, our new Extreme Ag affiliate out of Virginia. What's the town name, by the way? We're in Chesapeake, Virginia. Chesapeake, Virginia. Hence the yeah, that's, that's a good name. Heath, you looking forward to seeing these people? Absolutely. Can't wait. All right. Till next time, he's Heath Cutrell. I'm Damian Mason. This is Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. But there is plenty more available by visiting ExtremeAg.Farm. For over 50 years, farmers have turned to the proven lineup of crop inputs offered by Loveland Products. From seed treatments, plant nutrition, adjuvant, and crop protection products, Loveland has the complete lineup to keep your farming operation productive and, most importantly, profitable. Check out LovelandProducts.com to learn more.